From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It is September 7th. 2023 time for another clover tack podcast powered by our friends over at mostrom tactical we will uh talk about them uh, a little bit more in depth here in a little bit we've got uh william wallace on deck waiting patiently in the green room going to bring him in here shortly and uh, hopefully have a really good conversation uh but before we do that uh, just a quick reminder that uh, we are proud members of the Firearms Radio Network. So be sure to go over there, check out all the cool podcasts and other things going on with the Firearms Radio Network. Uh, also, a uh, big shout out, big thanks to the Patreon patrons and the YouTube channel members. Uh, we love those folks uh, for sure. And uh, remember that uh, as you're finally in live, throw those uh questions into the live chat as a matter of fact i gotta get over here and check the live uh chat but uh throw those questions into that live chat and we'll uh yeah we'll ask those i'm not going to derail the conversation so if the question is kind of on topic we'll cover it if not then we'll don't want to pull the gen Saki here but we'll come back around to it right um, if you are in replay, remember, you can still participate wherever you're at audio out there in the audio video replay world uh, down in uh, down in a comment below. So with that uh, out of the way, let's get uh, let's get William, Mr. Bill, Freedom Bill uh, <laughs> in the house. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself today? I am well. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping in and having a chat with us here for a little while. Well, I tell you, it's a, it's going to be a pleasure to be on your show and an honor to do so. I've been following some of your work and and meeting you at some of the so like the NRA convention and stuff like that, and just love love your work and respect what you're doing, and 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 it's always an honor to be there with you. Well, sort of sort of reciprocal in a way, uh, because uh, you had me on uh, one of your segments here a couple of weeks back, so. I encourage folks, of course, to go check that out. There's a link uh, to your YouTube stuff and all that, uh, wherever you're watching or listening, just down in the uh, description below. So uh, go check out uh, the channel, everything that William's doing, and then uh, check out that segment as well. I uh, want to give you a few minutes straight off uh, my audience, probably for the vast majority. Obviously, I have a lot of industry folks on and, and uh, uh, stuff like that they may not be familiar with you or what you do. So let's kind of get you, uh, I don't know, the Cliff's Notes version of I love it. who you are, what you do. I'll give you the floor here for a few minutes and uh, just run with it. You know, um, I've always been passionate about our country, passionate about freedom, passionate about, about just our community and everything. And uh, about eight, nine years ago, I went on, I decided that I wanted to have a radio show and I wanted to be the next right-wing conservative talk show host. So I went on the air on, on a local radio, and all I did was just kind of repeat the, the 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 news narratives from Fox News and such. And I got to tell you, there, I'll call you Clover because I, I do kind of like that nickname. And uh, and I, I got kind of tired of it actually. I was just I, I felt like I wasn't really making a difference, and I was just repeating narratives uh, like they do on the left, but doing it on the right. And um, and I, and then about an opportunity came up to run for office. So I ran for for uh, the state legislature here in Louisiana. Didn't win, but I knocked on every single door of the district. And what I found was that we all have more in common than we realize, and we all could unite on more things than we realize. We get divided by the narrative. So I rededicated my platform to finding things that we can unite on to solve problems in our community, our state, and our country. And by, and by finding those things that we can unite on, it's surprising how much we actually agree on. There's, there's a lot of people you, that vote Democrat that are pro-Second Amendment, they're pro-conservative you know conservative values. And so we just got to focus on those things. So I'm not giving up my ideologies and going to the middle or even going to the left at all. I'm simply working a little bit harder to find things that we can agree on to save our country. 
and and save our constitution, protect our constitution, and protect our God-given rights that are protected in our constitution. So that's that's a little bit about me and, and my platform. And I like to bring on guests on my show, William Wallace for America, that uh, that can go along with that. So uh, while most of my guests are, you know, uh, you know, conservative valued uh, that that are maybe a little bit right leaning, I bring on a lot of people that are that are slightly left to center that we find things that we can agree on that are going to solve problems. And uh, and the more we work together, the more we bring light to things like the national debt. And where and and I have a regular show where I talk about where we are losing freedom in America. And that's where I'm focusing right now is where are we losing freedom in America? It's in places that you don't even realize it, but that don't even get mentioned sometimes. And I bring on guests that do just that. Like you, when you were on my show, we talked about where we're losing freedom and how we can uh, how we can do th- work together to protect it. And that's where we're, that's where I am on this. So hope, hopefully that was that was cliff note enough. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's good enough. Um, quick programming note for. I don't understand what's happening on the YouTube side of things, but it doesn't look like things are broadcasting over there. Let me know in uh, the live chat if that's not the case. For those of you in replay, who cares, right? Right. Uh, this is it's all going to work the same way regardless. Um, so yeah, you said you ran uh, you ran for for office. What what office did you run for? It was uh, the uh, state house. Uh, you know, some people call it differently in other states. Our, our state legislature, you know, I, I was running for a state representative in, in my area, in my district. You know, we have 105 state reps in the state. Um, and uh, and that's since so I ran for that for that seat. It was it was a you know local seat. It was in my it was basically, you know, my my neighborhood, so to speak. But it was uh, but I, I got out and I knocked on every single door in the district. And uh, and that's where I found out that there's there, there's people that I would think that I'm nothing alike because when you listen to the narratives, you know you have you have nothing in common with a gay person, you have nothing in common with a interracial couple, you have nothing in common with a with somebody that is an opposite religion. But when you actually have a conversation with them, you realize how much more united we are, and we don't have to give up our values. Mm-hmm. And and you know, look, I just give you an example. You know, there was a a, a very liberal gay female couple that I met one time, a knocking on doors, and I thought, oh gosh, we're not gonna have anything in common. And by the end of the conversation, they said, not only do we will we vote for you, we'll put a sign in your front yard. Well, come to find out, they're very pro Second Amendment. They they voted Republican, you know, uh, regular on a regular basis. You know, they uh, they believed in in marriage. And they believed in traditional marriage. They just happened to believe they weren't a, a traditional married couple, but that they believed in. Be- so it's kind of weird, those lines, but they were pro-Second Amendment. They were actually so pro-Second Amendment that they had they had a gun behind their door. They proudly, you know, showed me and were, were, were proud of it. They, You know, they, they talked about how they, the hidden devices they had in their house that hid guns. I mean, so it was kind of their very – so you would not imagine – that that I had anything in common, let alone that they were going to be pro gun, and then you realize when I go to the state house, one of them was there fighting for pro gun legislation. So when you find those things that you can unite on, you know, and you focus on that, we actually solve problems in our country. And um, and I'll I'll finish that answer with this: is that conservative values know no party. I often get upset that the Republican Party stole the word conservative. They actually almost make conservative sound like something that's further right than Republican, and it falls into the narratives along with the uh, the, the news narratives that those those far right conservatives are so far right they're going to take away all your rights, so to speak. And when you but when you talk to people that are Democrats, oftentimes you find out that they are more conservative than some of the Republicans claim they are. And this is where those lines get a little hazy on why we get so divided up and why we think that we're all further apart than we are. And again, we don't have to give up our values or our beliefs to find those those things. And those are the things that would actually solve the problems like the national debt. And it's also the things that allow the politicians to get away with what they're getting away with by running up the debt and creating laws that 
rob our freedoms, that steal our freedoms, and that grow government in such a way that one day they'll have full control over us. And we got to we got to increase our team now with people that are pro-constitution, pro-America, pro-freedom, and that's where we work harder to find the things we unite on. Mm-hmm. Now, in your door knocking and, and going around, uh, two two follow ups on that. Number one, the district you're talking about, um, and I agree with you. I'm not a fan of the whole partisan politics. I asked this question specifically for just to get some context. Um, Predominantly a Democrat voting district or Republican voting. Oh no, district? it's I'm glad I'm glad you see it. You, you you remind me of part of a story I forget to tell sometimes is I live in an area that is probably ninety five percent Republican. Okay. So when, when I ran for office after doing a show conservative radio show, I really thought I was be knocking on doors where everybody was gonna think like me, look like me, you know, everything was be a hundred percent Republican. And, uh, you know, and that's why I was knocking on doors, realizing, wait a minute. And, and I say this openly, you know, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm uh, two blocks from my house and there's a, a, a gay couple, married couple. I'm like, wait a minute. There's there's a gay married couple in my neighborhood. You know, I'm, I'm four or five blocks from my house and there's people of different religions. And I'm, you know, and in my neighborhood, I didn't realize how much diversity there actually was that was that didn't fall in that Republican you know, that 90, 95% Republican that I, that I think it still is, of course, you know, but you don't realize that there's other people in your own communities. And when you actually meet them and talk with them on a personal level and you put the, narrative, the news narratives aside, you realize how much closer you are on, on beliefs in our community, in our constitution, in our country. Um, you know, they're flying American flags like us and you don't even realize it. And, and if we, you know, put those narratives aside, we actually find ways to solve problems for our country and not be as divided. And when uh, and when you were, were knocking on the doors and stuff, just what were some of the top tier, you know, let's just say the top three issues. I guess what was the number one issue of concern that people seem to have? Mm-hmm. Um, and what year was this, by the way? Oh, this was, uh, let's see, four years ago. So the, the okay. 2018 elections. Okay. Uh, you know, and... Uh, Okay, oh, finish your question. No, it's just got, yeah, that's just for context of what year it was. But well, it was what was the top tier concern or some of the top tier concerns? But go ahead with well, what and, you were and I can't say crime, even though crime is something that was talked about because uh, you know crime usually came up. But the reality is, where I live, you know, I live the, the, the we have we have parishes here in uh, in Louisiana, and right. the parish that I live in has a really low crime rate you know, good quality of life. It's a great place to live. So crime wasn't on a hot topic. They were, but, but the, when the national issues came up, you know, crime as in relation to the second amendment, you know, I found, you know, that there were, there were so many people that were worried about gun rights that in our, in our, in my community and not on a local level because our parish protects gun rights, but more on a national level. And that's where I found that even the people that I thought I would differ from, and even there, there were some, there were a few very left-leaning people, you know, um, I'll give you, I'll give you one story that kind of answers your question, you know, it's all, gun rights was one of the things that came up, so a left-leaning person, you know, I knock on the door, this is a great campaign story, she, uh, and, and uh, knock on the door, and she says, I know who you are, you're that Republican guy that has a radio <laughs> show, I'll never vote for you, and she slams the door in my face. And so I had a little notebook, you know, so I put my head down, I'm writing my little note and, uh, and, uh, you know, don't knock on this door, you know, and, uh, and she, and she, she opens the door and she said, look, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't slam the door in your face. She says, but I'm, but I'm against, and she was one of the few people that actually was against, you know, in gun rights and, and everything. And mm-hmm. she says, but I, you know, I don't agree with the gun rights issue. And I think that, you know, Guns, you know, should be more, you know, she kind of went in her little list of how they should, you know, no ARs and all that other stuff. And, uh, and we talked for an hour, an hour. And, mm-hmm. and, and the issue of crime came up as related to gun rights. And she said, and, and, and she said, you know, and, and, and what I found by simply talking and finding the things that we had in common, she says, you know what? She says, I, she kind of had a better understanding. She says, oh, I see. So you tie, you know, gun rights, you know, to reduce crime. And I'm making a long story short because we talked for an hour. 
And at the end of the day, she says, you know, she says, I think I'd be more willing to listen to what you're what you what you're having to say. Right. She says, and you'll be the first Republican to ever vote for. She's because it sounds like you're common sense about it. And the reality as I walked away, I said, I didn't really talk anything more than what we already know is common sense on gun issues and gun rights. But by finding those other things that we had in common, like reducing crime and the, and to answer your question a bit more was, you know, economic stability and, and economic opportunities and better education in our communities. When I tied all those things together, you know, to our freedoms and liberties and gun rights, she actually said at the end of the conversation, she says, you'll be the first Republican I ever vote for. And, and so it's those conversations that I find that when we work a little bit harder to find the few things that we might have in common, we can actually open eyes to things like gun rights and crime and how we can work together, you know, in commonality. Yeah. Um, put a pin in it for just a second there, William. Uh, to come back, I've got, I've definitely got some follow-ups on that. Uh, but first, we need to talk about Monstrum. Uh, Monstrum Tactical, um, man, the Versa BAR-15, that William was just talking about some AR-15s there, uh, about to get a new uh, Banshee LPVO on top of it. Uh, got the uh, little 9mm carbine from Anderson Manufacturing, fixing to get something new on the top of it from Monstrum. Uh, and then the uh, X-Star EP-45 as well, got a red dot sitting around. But yeah, Monstrum, whether it's uh, your conventional scopes, your, your hunting style optics, uh, to the LPVOs, to red dots, to... Um, what am I thinking? The uh, the prism sights. I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, they got some really cool stuff. All types of rings and mounts and rails and flashlights and just all kinds of other cool accessories. Uh, so if you're uh, in the market for that sort of thing, and a lot of people aren't aware that Mostrum Tactical even exists. So, hey, uh, there you go. Uh, feel free to do that what you wish. Let's get William uh, uh, back on here. I'm gonna have to look into this Monstrum Tactical because I've never I've never heard of them. I'm glad to hear about them. I'm gonna have to uh, look into I, them some more. Yeah, I feel bad because you know I mean they were gracious enough to power this season of the uh, of the podcast and uh, you know have made friends with them and and everything fairly quickly. But yeah, up until a few months ago, I had no idea. I had no clue. Um, so. We don't know what we don't know sometimes. I, I, love, and, uh, I love your how you have monster <laughs> tech at the bottom and clover tech at the pot at the, at the top. I, I have to have to learn how to do that for my for my simple show. We're gonna and we're gonna talk about your show and stuff here in a little bit. I promise. I promise. Oh, yeah, we I will. And uh, and if you need help with, with things like that, yeah, just you you've obviously we've exchanged information. You have my number, so just just hit me up and we'll we'll try to get you lined out. Um, Real quick, it's it's it's, it's yeah. working with shows like yours, and we all work together, you know. And that's why I, you know, read, you know, I always like to reach out to you and everybody and other other shows. You know, we're not in competition with each other. We're actually yeah. all working together, you know, in in positive ways because you know we're all like minded in some ways, and in, in, in many other ways, we're all working for the same goal for freedom and liberty in our country, you know, mm -hmm. for, for rights and and respect of each other's rights. You know, um, and that's the other thing. When we respect each other's shows and platforms and work together, you know, it brings more people together. And we're and we're doing what the mainstream media is not doing. They look for narratives that divide us up, you know, to help them with their with market their products. We look for ways to bring people together and help everybody. And that's a, be a better way to market products. Right. Uh, now, one thing that you were mentioning when you said you were talking with that, you know, with that lady or whatever was the, the approach I like or, or what kind of rang in my head a little bit uh, was I see so many people that are quick. They're quick to want to argue or they're quick to and argue maybe is, is might be too strong, but, but folks are really quick to feel the need to absolutely 100% jump in and defend their position or jump in and debate. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than just have a conversation. So, you know, not everything has to be a debate. <laughs> you know, you, right, right. if you talk to somebody and they say something, you're like, wow, I don't agree with that. Just have a conversation about it. Like not a back and forth, you know, talking points, factoid, you know, match, slinging stuff out. Just have a conversation. And, and that's what I got out of what you said is, you know, she says that she does that. And then you just start to have a conversation. 
And in the process of that conversation, you tie it in. It sounds like some wonderful things because if we talk about crime, and this 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 goes to show with the Second Amendment especially, um, it's not about guns. It's about control. Right. Um, because if they wanted to, or it's not about the violence, right? Uh, if they wanted to curb crime and curb violence, uh, they know the factors. In fact, they they encourage oftentimes, and when I say they, I mean all politicians. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they um, they foster, I don't want to say that they, yeah, I guess foster would be a good word, but they put policies in play or they just ignore situations, right, uh, that lead to that, that foster a lot of the crime and stuff. And, and once you have those conversations, and especially what you were talking about, hearing some of the other concerns with education, mm-hmm. right? Uh, big one, socioeconomic. You know, mm-hmm. do we have do we have jobs? Do we have adequate living facilities and and housing and stuff right. like that? Um, all of those things are shown. I mean, the data shows and proves <laughs> that all of those contribute to factors of crime, and 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 your those folks are more likely to. Uh, you'll know, be incarcerated, right? Do do things that are criminal in nature, that sort of stuff. So, if if we would address the root issues, uh, which are the primary concerns, I think for people, I think people, the whole gun issue, people are only concerned about the gun issue because I think you're right. I think the mainstream media. Never let a never let a good crisis go to waste. That was wrong anyway. Yeah, wasn't they always it, relate gun. They always relate the, the violence to the gun. Yeah, you know they don't. Re, they they never relate the violence to the policy of the politicians that run the city. And and the Republicans try to in 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 some of their narratives, but they don't really do a great job at defending it. You know mm-hmm. they they put out these narratives that that they just repeat and they've been repeating for the last twenty years. Instead of really showing statistically, you know, where the bad policies that created that environment come from, you know, they don't they don't connect those, you know. Well, and 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 let's let's be honest. I mean, it it's changed, and that's why I say politician. I it it bugs me to no end to no end when people call a stinking politician oh, our leaders. Um, no, no, that jack wagon ain't my leader. Yeah. Uh, he's maybe my servant, but he's not my leader or she. Right. Um, so let's get off that thing really, really quickly. You know, I don't even care if it's the president of the United States, the most powerful office in the world. Great. You know what? He's a servant to the people of this right. country. Exactly right. That's what he is. You know, he can, he can be the most powerful country. He can have his fingers on the nuke buttons. That's cool. But you right. know what? At the end of the day, he answers to us. Exactly right. And so, you know, more people need to develop that mentality, first of all. And then once you develop that mentality, you start to understand that the situation has changed. Once upon a time, the founders and the framers were brilliant in the way they set this up. And and as time has went on, I mean, the, the way that government has worked, whether you're talking about the bloated bureaucracy or whatever, um, you know, it's become something that has been just perverted from their original ideas. And, um, you know, popular election of senators is one thing that I, oh, my God, that's an amendment I absolutely hate. I wish that never would have happened. But um, getting back to, uh, uh, yeah, getting back to how things have changed. You've got this whole idea of lifelong politicians, and it used to not be that way. It used to be. You know, you go, you served for a little while, you served for a little while, uh, and then whatever you passed, whatever chaos you maybe created or good things that you created, right. you then went back home and lived with that. You had to, you know, right. now you get off, you get in office, and that's a stepping stone to another office, to another office, to another office. Um, you do nothing but, um, you know, pad your uh, what am I thinking? Your bank account, right? Add your Washington and you right. visit your your you know your district, you know, a couple times a year. Yeah, that's it. And and so that mentality, right? This lifelong politician, you know, part of the swamp, whatever you want to call it, mentality, um, leaves little faith for me um, 
and that's why I say they're all the same, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. Um, at the end of the day, they don't, this is my point, it was a long way to say it. Yeah, I'm with you. But at the end of the day, they don't want to fix anything on either side. Right. The Republicans want the Democrats to screw it up because that gives them something to rah-rah about to try to get raise money and get votes exactly, and, stay, yep. and stay in power. And the Democrats want they want to do the same thing. They want to point fingers and blame Republicans, you know. So, what's the common theme there? The common theme is neither one of them are getting anything done because neither one of them want to get anything done. If if we lived, if if all of government come come out and they said, okay, we everybody has had a change of heart. Now, I don't know how that happens. Maybe David Copperfield or some magic magician goes, snaps his fingers and goes, everybody act right. <laughs> right. Or, uh, I don't know, some kind of brainwave manipulation uh, through, through television. I don't know how it happens, but it happens, right? Right, exactly. And every politician in this country all of a sudden has the will of the people and the interest of the people at heart, 100, 110%. And within the next month or two, solve every single problem in this country, and we're a genuine utopian almost society. Um, guess what? They're out of they're out of a job. Right. They they don't have power at that point. Like they lose so much by fixing the problems that it's it's glaringly obvious if you pay any kind of attention that they don't want to fix the problem. No, they don't. And nobody talks about that. And you know what's interesting? You know, our founding fathers, you know, uh, two two quick points that when you, uh, you uh, remind me of that I like to talk about is our founding fathers did not, when they created the government, the, the, the constitution and the, and, the, and the framework for our government, you got to think in mind, we didn't have back then FBI, ATF, you know, IRS, right. you know, Department of Education. We didn't have all of those organizations. You know, basically, we had a framework, and the and, and the and the people who got elected went to D.C. and uh, and 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 created the just enough laws, you know, to keep government going as a way to protect the people and form a network of states and a, a network to hold the states together. But yep. it still gave the states their individual rights. Now the federal government has pierced our constitutional freedoms, you know, with money, you know, giving to the states, you know, and, and beholding them to ideologies and rules, regulations that they believe that the government believes in. That's a one way. And then all these agencies that politicians have created and surrounded themselves with, it's almost like, you know, the agencies are a fortress, you know, for the politicians that are behind oh, yeah. the walls. You yeah. know, that's how they get yeah. away. That's how they get away with it. That's how they keep on perpetuating it. Yeah, it's it's legislation through bureaucracy. I yeah. mean, for the for the most part. I mean, look at just some of the court, the uh, uh, Supreme Court cases, uh, Chevron deference and, and stuff that's going on in, in Supreme Court cases and, and some of the lower courts as well. Um, and that's for people that don't know. That's basically when uh, bureaucracies are creating legislation mm -hmm. is, is what that is, and that's a no no. You can't do that. Um, but, you know, that stems, again, that stems from a power trip, you know. Right. Um, it's, it's, now it's easy for politicians to go, well, it's always been that way, right? Right. And I talk, and I talk about, the, about this with Supreme Court justices. Uh, and we got, for the 2A, we got smacked around a little bit uh, here a little while back, even though we've got a pretty pro-2A leaning, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Supreme Court right now, maybe the only thing, honestly, I think uh, that was that, well, I don't know, the, the economy aside, right. the only thing positive to come from the Trump administration. Um, but we get, even then, we got smacked around a little bit by, by this court. Right. And I said, the reason is people don't, people want to look at, especially with justices, right? They want to look at conservative or liberal Right. Once upon a time, it was are they Democrat or Republican? Right? right. It's shifted now to where when you talk about judges, they talk in terms of conservative and liberal. Mm -hmm. And the issue is when you're talking about a justice, that's not what you want to look at. Right. Exactly. You want to look at are they presidential or are they constitutional? 
because that's the dynamic at play with a justice. They either rely on is there precedent for this, right? Right. right. Which there could be bad precedent. It's a great. It's <laughs> a know? great. I've talked about that. Before. Or are they looking at the Constitution and going, the Constitution says X, Y, Z. So this is the way. This is the route we got to go. That's the two type judges, and you know it's it's interesting. A lot of people bash you know bash Ginsburg and and rightfully so. You know, God rest her soul uh, for a lot of different things. But you know when it comes to uh, crony capitalism, when it comes to manipulating the stock market, when it comes to, there was a lot of, of financial, economical uh, things that went before the Supreme Court that, and, and Scalia and her were friends, right? Right. Uh, and conservatives hold Scalia up there. Scalia was not the ultimate pinnacle of conservatism that a lot of people think that he, yeah. he was. A lot of people that don't pay attention. Uh, but him and Ginsburg were, they were, they were friends. Um, because kind of like you said, they seen eye to eye on a lot of things because they they had the same perspective. Mm-hmm. Now they didn't see eye to eye on everything. Nobody's going to. Um, my point with that um, being that you know we we've got all these these boxes that that folks want to check. Well, what had happened? Over time, and this is what happens now, we can't get rid of the ATF. We can't get rid of the Department of Treasury. We can't get rid of this. We can't. Well, what happens if we get rid of the IRS? How are we going to have roads? Well, how did we have roads before we had the IRS? Because the communities were responsible. Like independent communities are responsible. They are personally responsible. And that's what these agencies have done. They've taken away personal responsibility. Oh, yeah. We had personal responsibility to create roads and and light it up and you know and and government's purpose was to defend us and create a network of laws that held us together and that was it yeah 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 um but yeah it's it's so you know it's all it's always been that way or this institution or this bureaucracy you know seemingly it's been around forever like why can't we get rid of it well you got to look at why it was instituted in the first place Right. And and you got to look at it critically and be really honest about it. What happened was um, a, a typically executive branch. So typically a president <laughs> came right. into power and he said, oh, wait a minute. This state over here is not doing what I want. This state over here is not doing what I like. And this state down here is not doing what I like. And I can't make them do what we want to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that there's all these problems because there's no coordination. There's nobody overseeing it and mm-hmm. and, and handling communication between. So we're going to create these departments, right, under the executive branch to coordinate. The idea was, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? right. <laughs> the idea was, oh, we're going to help all these states coordinate. That sounds, sounds, good, on, sounds good on paper till, you're, till the bureaucracy you're, you create simply as a hub to help coordinate mm-hmm, that's right starts dictating what the states can and can't do and at that point control so yeah like there's so many departments like the atf we don't need the atf mm-hmm. the that and and i get i'll get beat over the head for this and i don't care but the department of education like states yeah. already do their own thing why why is there even a department of education it makes no sense now there's a few things like 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 food and drug. I mean FDA to an extent. Like there's a few things I think. Right. This is where this is where you really get in trouble because you're like, oh, you're compromising. And I'm like, well, I'm just brainstorming ideas. Uh, I'm not saying I'm hard and fast on any of this, but you know, I like the idea of some type of oversight, some type of coordination when it comes to things that can absolutely wipe out and let's be honest firearms are not going to do it uh, there's so many firearms right. in this country if firearms were a health hazard like they like right. they want to make us believe uh if firearms were a problem we would the country would be barren at this point everybody right. would be dead uh there's that many firearms in this country uh but what does scare me is is potentially um you know, foods, drugs, things like that that are handled improperly that create right. some type of a uh, mass viral outbreak or bacterial or disease type thing. Um, 
you know, so maybe in that sense, as some type of a uh, of a, a small right. federal federal bureaucracy, uh, in order to help coordinate and make sure that everybody's on the same page with stuff. But um, other than that, like, just no. The rest of it is is a big no for me. I mean, imagine if you will. I mean, they take some of these bureaucracies. And, uh, you know, let's just say the Department of Education just eliminated the Department of Education. Now, let me I mean, I'm going to back up and say this, you know, that that there's all the you know, you get these these uh, uh, populist politicians that run and say, oh, we're going to get rid of the IRS. We're going to get rid of the Department of Education. We're going to get rid of they, they name all the educate all the departments that people don't like. And, mm-hmm. and we do live in a time when, unfortunately, that bureaucracy has grown so big, you can't just eliminate. You can't just say, OK. I'm, if I were president, I'd walk in the door to eliminate all these agencies. It just can't be done as popular as it sounds. And I won't mm-hmm. name the presidential candidate right now who, who who says these things and everybody cheers. The problem is it's so deeply embedded and entrenched and entwined in our society that you can't just get rid yeah. of it. But we can downsize it in such a way that we can save money. I mean, imagine, if you will, the Department of Education budget. You say, OK, look, we're going to downsize it over the next 20 years. And, and a portion of the savings goes to the states because mm-hmm. you got to wean the states off the money now. And this is not a, you know, of course, the popular way of saying it is, is get rid of it and understand that. But you can't do that because now you've got so many people that are employed within these organizations. And, and while the organization is unpopular, you, you have to unwind it, not quite as slow as it grew, because that would take forever, it seems. But in such a way that you save the money, you give, you fund the states because you got to wean them off of it. But you tell the states, hey, look, guys, in 10 years, 20 years, this organization is not going to be in existence anymore. You've got to find a way to get the, replace this money within your own states because that's how they've connected the states. And again, that's how they pierced that veil of the 10th Amendment. And it's, I think it's intentional over time. Politicians have learned oh, yeah. the power of our Constitution and that Tenth Amendment, and they've been finding trying to find ways to circumvent it for a long time, and that's done through these bureaucratic agencies and the money that comes from them. Because I I spend a lot of time in in the Louisiana state legislature, and you hear about all this federal money. Well, we can't get rid of this because we, we this policy because it's tied to this money, and they've done that all over the place. And that's how why Americans need to be aware of that our freedoms are under attack through these agencies that get to circumvent our constitution. They're, they're able to be able to create rules and laws and legislation without going through con- congressional powers that have to abide by the constitution. And I say that lightly because, you know, oftentimes they don't, you know, but the reality is we need some sort of constitutional oversight over these agencies that have been able to grow over the last bunch of years, whether it is uh, a, a, another amendment to our constitution that says, you know, to, pat, to that any agency that passes a law, it has to go through Congress before they can create a, a rule or a procedure that does mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the, the problem is that so many Americans don't, we don't, don't pay attention because, because. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Politicians have created so many rules and regulations that, that shackle us. You know, I, I'm looking at Louisiana, for instance, right now. Our, you, you all, I don't know how, how bad you have to deal with with uh, homeowners insurance rates where you are, but in, in, in on a per, I can attest in Louisiana, uh, homeowners insurance is causing people's home mortgages to go up. Is in some cases six hundred to eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month just for the insurance, and that's. Wow. Not just because, of course, the narratives are that, oh, the global warming has caused more disasters. No, inflation has caused rates to go up. Polit- you know, political you know, uh, policies have caused that. You know, uh, you know and, and uh, the, uh, I guess the environment for insurance has become more toxic. And now insurance companies have to, have to ta- you know, charge more. And I'm not giving anybody any passes here, but they're not working together for the benefit of the people. And as a result, our insurance rates are going up. And that's just one you know, think how they're shackling our freedoms. Yeah. Um, let's shift a little bit and talk about the, uh, let's talk about your show. What, uh, 
what else going on with that? Give us some updates in that area. I have several. I have. Uh, it's it's interesting because where I went on my show again, again, you know, in the beginning, if you have right wing conservative talk shows, just talk about that. And then you're making that shift after running for office and realizing that, you know, the way to save our country is not to is not the right wing narratives. And it's certainly not certainly not the left wing narratives. It's fun of ways oh, we, we, we can bring more people together. And I don't mean the big tent necessarily. But, you know, so I do a lot of interviews and I like to bring on a lot of people that have just good ideas. And, and occasionally I'll bring on a Democrat. I'll give you one example of a Democrat that I brought on here recently. Um, and, uh, and you can look her up. Her name is Mandy Landry. And, and, and Mandy's got a reputation for being a left wing Democrat. But recently she's created some legislation. She created a, a gun friendly legislation. And it's the type of thing that when you bring somebody to the table, she created a law in Louisiana that says if you buy a gun safe to protect your guns in in Louisiana, you will get a direct tax credit off of your um, your taxes, your state nice. taxes. And and at first I thought, oh, that's kind of sneaky, but it's kind of she says, you know what? It's pro gun. It's not taking guns away. It's saying if you lock it in the city. So she found the statistics that said a lot of stolen firearms or guns from homes were the reasons that uh, we had a lot of gun crimes. And, you know, it was one one aspect. And she's like, hey, sure. if you buy a gun safe and you lock them up, you get to take that direct credit off of it. So uh, when I bring on a Democrat, I try to, it's those things that we have in, in common. I bring on a lot of interviews of a lot of people because, and I do it in a friendly way. Here's is a key to this, and I'm glad you asked the question. And it's a great question because I don't just like to bring on interviews and I'd be, I'm never the attack dog. People say, I, oftentimes I get my friends, I'll say, you didn't ask this important question. I say, well, right. I don't want to attack people. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, my spirit animal is a golden retriever. And I find that when you, when you go to the <laughs> playground and, and, you know, and everybody plays well together, Friendly conversations promote a lot of information and ways to work mm -hmm. together. So I like to bring on those interviews and do a friendly interview with, a, with, with people running for office or people that have organizations that are working in our community. It's not just elected officials. I love the nonprofits and the organizations that are finding. So I do friendly conversations as a yeah. way to talk about just ideas and get things on the table. Then I do a, a freedom forum. Uh, which which you were a part of, and you did a fantastic job because I, I I find when we talk to people about where we're losing freedom, it's everybody tends to jump to the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, and oftentimes we don't realize bureaucracy or local local in my own area. You know, there I find you know the guy that runs the parks and playgrounds has a lot of decision making power on what goes on in our parks and playgrounds without going to the, to the, to the parish council. So <laughs> right. you find by bringing on people, and that's what my Freedom Forum does. Right now uh, in Louisiana, I have a, a Louisiana election forum that I do on a regular basis because, um, again, the best way to solve problems in our country is to start in our own community. So I, so I find a lot of elected officials doing a lot of things in our area that reflects what's going on in other areas. And then one of the last uh, things I do is I'll, I'll just have me. You know, where I, I try to bring on my opinion and things. I did one on work ethic earlier this year, um, and I tie work our work ethic to our communities and our families and how work ethic is another way to build. Building back work ethic and, and personal responsibility is, I think, key to saving our country and protecting our Constitution. And so you'll see a lot of, a lot of these, uh, you know, different little monologues and podcasts I do there. So... And then I travel and uh, you know a, a lot, and I'll go to a lot of. Uh, I was in Missouri um, a few weeks ago. Mike Lindell had his symposium, and uh, I, I'm somebody that believes in election integrity. I think it's under attack in America, and a lot of people say you go to that Mike Lindell thing, you know. And he's I said, you know what? It brought together a lot of people around the country who love our country, support election integrity, and I did 20, uh, 20, I think 24, 28 interviews. When I was there, and those are all on, nice. on the platform. So um, I just try to get a lot of content out there, almost like a shotgun blast. Second right. Amendment. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and you know, back to the you know the hard and fast interview, or you know, pressing and asking you the hard questions. 
so there are places out there there are uh there there are avenues or mechanisms there's media that that Mm -hmm. that's what they do they do that sort of thing um what i think for me and it's my approach and i think i think yours is very similar uh, is the conversation right if if you can just have a genuine conversation with somebody it's not scripted who knows where the conversation can go you know that sort of thing the folks watching and listening to that can get a better sense of who that person is and then that way when they are pressed later on they can tell whether or not it's sincere or genuine right they've got a baseline in other words of this is how this person normally communicates and acts and whatever. And right. then if you go on, I don't know, name some big name, whoever, uh, Chuck Todd, Rachel Maddow, who, right. who, who, whoever, uh, Tucker Carlson, even heck right or left. It don't matter. Uh, and they're pressing them and they're hammering on stuff. You can kind of tell by the way they're acting. If you've seen that baseline that, Hey, wait a minute, they're, they're not acting right. You know, there's, right. this is not the way they normally act, you know, or whatever. So are they just saying this to get, try to get out of the pressing that those, so there's value to the, I guess what I'm saying to the, just the normal conversation. There's a lot of value to that. It's where your personality is. I mean, there's, all, there, yeah. there's some people who are really good at being the attack dog or they're good at going after and trying to, trying to press hard for that information. Like you said, you you see the other person and you know that that's kind of you know they they kind of cringe back a little bit or they kind of retract in such a way that they're not being open and i find like you you made a great point that's that's a fantastic observation that when you have friendly conversation with people you get more out on the table and i think you see more of the raw person instead of somebody who's trying to defend and sometimes when you go into defense mode you know, they, they, you don't get as much information out. And then, and then not that it's sneaky on being, have a nice conversation as a way to get information out, but sometimes that friendly conversation, now it gets more information out and gets the real person out, but it brings them to a place where you can actually talk about ideas that brings people together without giving, and I, and I stress this all the time, we don't have to give up our personal beliefs, ideologies, or where we stand firm on to find those things that that common ground that we can talk about to find solutions because once I think we find that foundation that we can all come to through friendly conversation, friendly dialogue, finding those things you have in common, then it grows back out in a way where the people prosper, our communities prosper, freedom prospers. You know, freedoms and liberties are so important. People think that it just refers to what you can do and what you can't do. But freedom also connects to prosperity. It connects to families. It connects to communities. It connects every it, it, freedom is, is is not a as much of a right as much as is a thread, you know, that and that freedom guides people's hearts and minds in a positive way when it's respected and when it's promoted. And that's where when we all come together on those things and you talk again in that friendly way, those things come out in such a way that we all live a better life according to our constitution and our biblical values right um yeah we're coming up on the top of the hour so let's um let's have a little fun here i love it i'm ready and, uh this I, will I be fun all along. right uh <laughs> this will be on the spot uh segment and this uh brought to you by our friends over at anderson manufacturing uh, at the top of the show heard me talk a, a little bit about getting that uh Monstrum LPVO on the little uh, AM9 carbine. Uh, man, phenomenal, phenomenal little rifle that thing has been uh, from Anderson. They've got the Kiger uh, handgun. They've got some uh, bolt action stuff on the way, I think, in 308, 65 Creedmoor, and the uh, most awesome 300 Win Mag, I think. That's what they're planning on the first release for those bolt actions. So a lot of things going on over there at Anderson Manufacturing. Uh, and they've got some uh, pretty wicked sweet, wicked sweet deals going on right now, too. Uh, yeah, you know what to do. So uh, there you go. Uh, let's get uh, uh, Mr. Uh, William in here. So I've got basically 10 questions for you. Sure. Gonna put you on the, put you on the spot. No right or wrong answers, obviously, with this. Uh, 
just uh you know just a way to get to know you a little better I love um it. so what was your first firearm 1911 cool okay oh wow okay there's a story, there's a story behind that i tell in private <laughs> oh okay okay uh what was your first vehicle the vw bug oh wow that's a good one that's a good one uh okay move away from the first let's go through some some favorite things Actually, here. Wait, correction on that technically the first vehicle was a ford granada i owned it for a week and sold it at a profit and bought my volkswagen bug oh well, there you go yeah <laughs> Yeah, which was more expensive, the 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 Granada or the Bug? Oh, the Bug. I paid a hundred dollars. Okay. I paid a hundred dollars for a Ford Granada and and sold it a week later for six hundred and bought the, and bought the Bug for eight hundred. And bought the okay, I got you. Okay, um, all right. Favorite here. Um, favorite cartridge. Do you have a favorite cartridge? I don't. You don't. Okay. Uh, favorite actor or actress. You know, I don't follow Hollywood that much, but um, I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big Hollywood person, so I would I wouldn't have a favorite actor or actress. Yeah. Uh, favorite vacation spot. Ooh, I love the Grand Canyon. When I went on vacation there a few years ago, that I, oh, I think that's one of my nice. one of my favorite places I've ever been. Definitely, definitely pretty. Uh, th this may, eh, I guess, this is a little bit different, but. Uh, favorite historical site? D.C. Okay, okay. Definitely a lot to do there for sure. Oh, yeah. I've, 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 I've got, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about that more too later. Right. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal? Oatmeal. <laughs> oatmeal. Uh, okay. I'll allow it. I'm an, oat, I'm an oatmeal guy. I'll allow it. Uh, favorite band or musician? No favorite band. Well, you know what? Def Leppard. I love. I love eighties really? rock. Is my eighties rock is my absolute favorite. One arm, two arm, or or doesn't matter. Ooh, pertaining to what? Drummer. Oh, oh, uh, two arm. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You okay. caught me off guard on that one. The the sound. I'm a Def Leppard fan too. The sound changed a little bit after his wreck. You know, he lost the arm. Oh, and that's, it, right, that's it, right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay. And it changed. It changed because of his drum set. Obviously, they had to get a modified drum set for him and stuff right. with the one arm. Uh, and so the sound changed a little bit. I would. So I, I get the people. I kind of like the post. I kind of like the one armed drum stuff uh, myself. More deliberate. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. The drums sound different, and I mean, rightfully so. They're going to. The dude lost his arm. So right. I mean, difference in equipment, and then obviously, you know, uh, his playing style had to change somewhat, had to adapt. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I totally get where people come from when they're the early Def Leppard uh, or the pre-Karek Def Leppard people. I, I get it. I get it. Um, favorite book? You know, I'm, I'm right now. I, 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 my newest favorite book that I've been working on is Atomic Habits. Um, you know, it was given to me by a, by a friend, and I've been I've been working on that. But I'll tell you, my other favorite book. Um, there's actually I have two favorite books um, that have really guided me a whole lot. And I know I'm answering the question a little bit longer than you expected. No, um, you're fine. But um, there's a book that I read a lot on my bonus content. It's called Econ 101 and a half by Elaine Schwartz. And mm -hmm. it pairs up the development of the economic system in America from its inception, you know, from the beginning, you know, to, uh, to well, to when the book was uh, finished being written. Um, but it, it ties in American history into economic development and economics and examples of economics through American history. And it's a real interesting way to tie things in. It goes into the economics part of the Louisiana Purchase. It goes into um, oh, wow. It's really interesting. Another one is the Second Amendment Primer by Les Adams. Um, I don't know if you've read that or not, but the Second Amendment Primer actually goes into uh, is a part of it that goes into how the founding fathers decided on the Second Amendment. And a lot of people think that the Second Amendment was just something the founding fathers said, we have a right to defend ourselves, so right to own guns is there. But the second, but the founding fathers, actually, the Second Amendment Primer shows us how they went back through history, thousands yep. of years of history to civilizations to decide 
on why we need a second amendment and that's in the second amendment primer that's another one of my favorite books yeah um now as far as you you mentioned the uh some a little bit of louisiana history there with um are there any good books out there if people are looking for that and i just asked because i'd love growing up i mean we had texas history in school uh that's a thing here and so i love reading stuff about texas history and especially the more obscure stuff and everybody knows the main stories here and you know texas independence and sam houston and alamo and blah 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 but some of the the lesser known stuff is super interesting texas was super unique in that that respect there's a lot of similar history with louisiana right do you know of any do you know of any good books that uh, are along those lines i can't talking about books any particular book Okay. Um, that, that, you know, on it, um, you know, a lot of my history from, from Louisiana, you know, actually I could benefit from having the podcast and right. the elected officials that might give a little tidbit, you know, about where, where they are. You right. Know, yeah. A yeah. lot of people think of New Orleans as being the oldest city in Louisiana, but it's actually a, a Natchitoches. And uh-huh. so uh, there's a lot of little unique things about that. Natchitoches has a great little Christmas light festival, by the way, if you ever make your way o- over there for that. Um, you know, uh, I'll give you one little tidbit. It actually happened last night, um, or, or this a- actually happened to me last night. So um, a lot of people don't real, you know, they don't they don't realize how involved the Louisiana Purchase was and how mm-hmm. tied it was to the Florida territories at the same time during the Louisiana Purchase. But while reading about the Louisiana Purchase uh, in the in Econ One Hundred One and a Half, I learned about this gentleman by the name last name of Livingston, who was on the team in France negotiating with Napoleon over the Louisiana Purchase. Well, come to find out, a descendant of Livingston that was in France negotiating the Louisiana Purchase, a descendant actually became a congressman in Louisiana uh, in our recent times here, Bob Livingston. And last (laughs) night, I met Bob Livingston for the first time. And uh, and I asked him that question. I'm like, hey, I heard, he's like, yep, that was my great-grandfather. So you know, a great, great grandfather, whoever it was. So yeah. interesting little tidbits do happen here. Yeah, that's awesome. I go on my uh, tidbits, but that's another story. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, final one here. Uh, favorite founding father? George Washington. Okay, awesome. I, I mean, I know it sounds sounds cliche-ish. That's but cliche, George, but that's George okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's, that's okay. Everybody has. You know, Washington definitely is at the forefront for a lot of people. Um, certainly admirable that, um, I mean, they, how do I word it? That it'd be accurate because it's not like they seriously like lobbied that dude to be King. Right. Oh yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that. They think that it was just, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we need a King and maybe, maybe, no, I mean, they's like, seriously. And he's like, no, he was just like absolutely, you know, to, and for a human to be able to turn down something right. like that, like like who 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 in modern times nobody would do that. Oh yeah, nobody. I mean, like like today, you know, the, uh, the uh, Bill Clinton could have been president for. Oh, we would have King Joe Biden right now if, oh, yeah, if exactly. the people if the people went, you know, made the same fuss they did with Washington to Biden that you just need to become king. I, I, any, and, and, and I'm not picking on Biden, put any human in that position. Oh yeah, absolutely. And odds are anybody accepts that and goes, okay. You know, it's, it's, that's hard to turn down. So and I get a, it. And, and a story for another time, you know, is, is that, uh, not maybe realize that what, that not all the founding fathers were signers of our, of our constitution. I mean, there is, you know, right. people realize the right. gap of time, but I think all the founding fathers, well, you know. I typically, and, and I worded that question, favorite founding father, but usually when I'm talking in that context, I say the the, the founders and the framers. Ah, that's a great, that's a great thought. I didn't think of that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, because it, it's, they're similar, but it's, they're not quite the same, but they're, they, like you're talking about, there's some that did not sign the, you know, onto the declaration and this that and the other but they're no less influential right to to this country so it's it's really important that we remember some of the folks like that for sure um yeah let me get this uh off so that was on the spot oh uh, uh, look that, that was that was, so, a, that was great that was a great segment i love that 
So uh, that that that's one one reason why I, I connected with you so well when when we met at, at the NRA convention. You know, is, is not only that like mindedness. You know, when it comes to guns, it goes beyond that. When you really start talking to people and having the good conversations, you start realizing what's in people's hearts and minds. And and mm-hmm. you're somebody that that you can tell. You know, not only has a lot of great information, but you also have a lot of heart. And you know, and and and, and when I say heart, it doesn't just mean a soft side. You know, it means that that you really you have compassion with your information. You're not just trying to, you know, what I recognize with you is you're not just trying to get, you know, ideas out there. You really put your heart and mind into it. And it's a combination of the two. You're not just getting information out there and you're not just getting heart out there. You're combining the two. So it means more getting that information, knowing it comes from the heart through your mind. And you do an excellent job at that, Clover. You really, well, my wife would say for the most part, because I hear it, regularly she's like i'll i'll say something it's it's i don't know if you watch big bang theory uh if you've ever watched that i know you said you weren't big on tv but but um um you know there she'll say like something will happen and i'll go yeah you know you know they they invented that in 1829 because this happened or something or you know some song will be on the radio and i go hey yeah you know that's if anything from pop cult current pop culture to history to like i know so much useless information and she's like how do you know that and i'm like it's almost like i just like obscure weird knowledge stuff like i and i absorb such a variety of information like it's a, it's a, almost like a learning thing, right? Like right. I like learning. It's like it, I don't. It doesn't matter what I'm learning. Right. I I like learning, and so uh, even if it's pointless, silly stuff that that uh, there may only be one chance in my lifetime that I ever get to go. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's this and this and this. You know, it's to me, it's worth it. You know, like a song come on the radio and it'd be like, Hey, yeah, did you know that singer did this? Whatever back it's like she's like i don't care like why why do you know that like you know it's just uh funny why not a friend of mine just posted uh uh locally um about a a band that he went to see and and it was he had pictured these two guys and it was like nelson and i and i'm like nelson yeah Yeah. you know i didn't spark a memory and then and and then it's and then somebody commented if you don't remember who Nelson was, here's where their song, here's their, their their song they're known by. And it was like, and I, and I clicked on it. Oh yeah. I remember Nelson, you know, so they're, so they're still around apparently that I did. Yeah, not exactly. know. They're playing, you know, they're playing some off, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I was a musician, I, always a musician, probably. They weren't even at, they weren't even at, uh, at a casino that they were at some off race setting. Place or something. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, uh, so let me give you a second here. Uh, we're going to close this thing out and uh, get the heck out of here. But uh, give you a, a minute. You're, 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 you've got a great show. To, I, I tell you what, I could do that forever. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, though, people won't listen forever. Right, the problem. Exactly. So we we got to we got to pull the plug eventually. But I want to give you a minute. Um, you're on, you've obviously you've got social media. You've got the radio show. You've got other things going on. Uh, if people want to follow you and and continue to. Uh, listen to you, hear the interviews, the other things. Uh, what are all the mechanisms? How can they do that? Well, you know, of course, it's William Wallace for America is my show and my platform. Um, it's what's in, and that's why I like talking about freedom. William Wallace, people know him for freedom, uh, but I spell my name W A L L I S. So you won't find it if you look up the, the, the other spelling. I always tell people, remember, William Wallace is I S for America. And you can find me on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble. And my podcast is on all podcast apps at William Wallace for America. You can Twitter at Wallace for the number for America and Instagram also at William Wallace for America. And uh, as you go there and you like it, my my website, WilliamWallace.net, and uh, it will show you all those platforms also. And and I'll tell you, the other place I, I like to hang out is with great shows like yours, Clover. Um, you do an amazing job, and I, and I can't thank you enough for, for being another cog in the wheel to protect freedom and liberty in America. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, you bet. And I'm uh, glad you could find time to uh, to come on. 
we'll get right. you back. Uh, we'll get you back sometime, and and obviously we'll uh, we'll see you uh, hopefully at some shows and some other things again here pretty soon. So uh, let's uh, switch this over so we can in fact get out of here. Uh, this one being recorded uh, on a Thursday will release a little bit later and all that good stuff. So um, I guess. Have a great weekend is in order because tomorrow is going to be Friday and then the weekend's coming up. And then we've got, of course, a couple of shows next week and the following week and the following week. Uh, we're just getting this thing kicked off. So uh, for the 2023 season, uh, yeah, I think that's going to uh, pretty much do it for here. So until next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out CloverTac.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.